We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks Sunday night matchup against the Phoenix Suns, a team that comes here winners of six straight, but also comes here since the last time uh, with a very new look roster. We'll talk about that roster with Sam Cooper, a friend of the pod, a returning guest and part of the Blue Wire podcast family. Uh, he hosts the Timeline podcast. Um, they do great work over there. I think you could enjoy that conversation. I say new look because since the last time the Knicks played the Suns, which was New Year's Day of 2023, the Suns have made a couple of blockbuster trades. If you probably remember both of them, because again, a blockbuster. But over the summer, they traded for Bradley Beal. And then last year at the trade deadline, they traded for our old buddy out in Brooklyn, Mr. Kevin Durant. Now, who knows if Kevin Durant's going to play in this game. Kevin Durant missed Friday night's game against Memphis with a foot injury, but it does look like early reports indicate that he is going to play at Madison Square Garden, which could be key because Kevin Durant has not lost against the New York Knicks since 2013. In fact, let's let's go through a little bit of history of Kevin Durant against the Knicks. Now, there's no shame in being dominated by a Hall of Famer, right? However, Kevin Durant has has won 13 straight games that he has played in against the New York Knicks. If you want to go back to the last time he lost to the Knicks, it was April 7th of 2013, a game in which Carmelo Anthony, my guy, was the leading scorer. 36 points, 12 rebounds for Carmelo Anthony in this game. Um, the, the second high score on the Knicks that night was J.R. Smith. They had six guys in double figures in that game, and they won 125-120 on the road in OKC. Now, James Harden didn't play in this game, but Russell Westbrook did. Had 37-11-8. and eight. Uh, But that's the last time Kevin Durant lost to the Knicks. It was 2013, more than 10 years since the last time he was defeated by the Knicks. You want to go back to the last time he lost at the Garden. So let's let's go back in time to 2010, shall we? Uh, On December 22nd, so almost some almost exactly 13 years We're about a third. 12 years and 11 months since the last time he lost to the Knicks, which is a 112 to 98 defeat. Uh, the 17 and 12 Knicks at the time defeated the 20 and 9 
uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, the leading scorers for the Knicks that day, Amari Stoudemire, former Phoenix Sun. Honestly, she should have his number retired by the Phoenix Suns. Um, scored 23 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists in this game, as well as 3 blocks playing center. Uh, the Knicks had 6 guys in double figures, which included Danilo Gallinari, Raymond Felton, Wilson Chandler, Landry Fields, Ronnie Terrioff. You know, this fun team that nobody wanted to break up because we had the chance to get to Carmelo Anthony. Um, point being, uh, this is the last time that the Knicks defeated Kevin Durant in a basketball game. He is 21-3 and in his career, and as I mentioned, has won 13 straight contests against the Knicks. So a lot of things have been changing since the Jalen Brunson, Tom Thibodeau, Julius Randle, RJ Barrett era has been. Let's include Emmanuel quickly because there's he absolutely is a contributor to the change in culture and expectations. So hopefully the Knicks can get back in the winner's column against KD. Let's talk about this matchup between the New York Knicks and the Phoenix Suns with Sam Cooper of the Timeline Podcast. Enjoy. So I actually looked this up. We had you on in um, uh, September of 2022. So the last season had not happened yet. The Knicks had just ended the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes without Donovan Mitchell. And our thought was like, the only way this is going to work this upcoming season is they trade Julius Randle. We had no idea he was going to regain all NBA form. We had no idea the playoffs were going to happen. And this weird relationship that Knicks fans have to their two-time all-star, two-time all-NBA player where they, I I, I don't want to say ham sandwich is the price that they're willing to get back, but uh, it's not great at the moment as far as the vibes are concerned. And you actually went out on a limb as one of the content creators that was like, you know what? Like Julius Randle, despite the bad year he just had, like in the right situation with the with the right people around him could absolutely be better. Little did we know that was going to be Jalen Brunson. And what the Suns did instead of taking your advice was <laughs> a change owners and Robert Sauver is now lo- no longer there. And they did go get a power forward, but they only got Kevin Durant <laughs> instead in one of the bigger blockbusters uh, that I've ever seen, especially midseason. So take us back, if you don't mind, to I believe it was a, a the Sunday before the trade deadline last year, where in the middle of the night, my time, we get the notification from Shams that um, Kevin Durant's been traded to the Phoenix Suns. What was your reaction? Uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, like I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. He's now just currently to contextualize it the proper way. He's averaging over 31 points per game this season. It's the most he's been scoring since you got to go back to his MVP year. Like as a 25 year old, that's how much Kevin Durant is currently scoring. So I think you go back and this is why you don't listen to the random advice of podcasters sometimes, because the way it ended up is so much better than I could have imagined. And of course with KD, the thing is that entire summer of 2022 was mired in the, the KD rumors for us. Mm -hmm. Um, we didn't believe that DeAndre Ayton had the trade value. And I think that later was its own saga, That came, but that came out to be correct. So the question was just, are you willing to part with Mikhail Bridges, who's now, as you know, in Brooklyn and, and is doing great, I would say, but not a franchise player exactly. Um, and then Cam Johnson, a bit of a lesser piece and every first round pick we still have from now till the end of time. So it was a lot to give up, but I was with it. On day one, I'm still ecstatic about the fact that he's on our team. I'm completely uh, understanding of the fact that we're all in and we have to win a championship in the next couple of years or else what was it all for? But it's uh, it's a fun place to be. It's a scary place to be in the NBA. 
So knowing that those are the stakes, that it's yep. championship or bust, so that way you can justify a trade like this. Like I was talking to um, someone from my favorite Clippers podcast, and they were telling me how, like, watching SGA and what's going on in, in OKC and how that trade, well, in the moment you understood it, you kind of need them to win something. Not like this one trip to the conference finals can't be all it was worth. So... Like, what's the timeline? Which, ironically, that I, I didn't do hey. that on purpose, but you're welcome. <laughs> I'm asking you what the timeline is. We, we yeah, we how always... Soon are expectations, like, how soon do you need this to happen? The championship this year, next year, any any year now. But you have to under, understand, um, you know, from the second that Devin Booker made the finals, mm-hmm. he had kind of ascended. And and a couple of years now later, we're even seeing, I think Devin Booker's playing his best basketball ever. He's playing better than he was a couple of years ago. But from the second he made it, the expectations were to win it championship. Because once you have a player in that tier, in the prime of his career, either you go all for it or sooner or later, one way or another, he's going to push his way out within a couple of seasons. And so, you know, we continued on trying to build that that same core around Booker, you know, the core with Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul, and eventually fell apart because those guys just weren't good enough. So you had to find another way to maintain uh, Devin Booker's superstardom in the market of Phoenix uh, as long as you possibly can. And this was the best way they could figure out to do it. Um, it it's bold and risky in some ways, but You've got a new owner with a lot of cash flow coming in and Matt Ishbia, and here we are. We'll see what happens. See, I didn't ask the question correctly because it was, are they on Kevin Durant's timeline or are they on Devin Booker's timeline? And you, sure. you went ahead and answered it the right way because I, I, I'm curious. And look, we're, as Knicks fans, we have this weird thing going on where we love our team. We love, like, love hard on our team. And like, we'll die for Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett and Quentin Grimes and Jalen Brunson and maybe move out the way for Julius Randle. Um, but like we have a solid core that we are excited about, yet realistically, we understand yeah. the trade is going to eventually have to be made if you want to raise the ceiling of this team. And Devin Booker, former CAA client, is on the list. Now, I don't want to make this like, how can we trade for your favorite player? Yeah. Um, but the the Devin Booker timeline being the the window realistically what what's the thought as far as like how long that timeline is is there any fear that like if in two years this doesn't happen there's gonna be questions or do you expect like this guy's gonna retire a member of the phoenix suns no i i think you know you have to be a realist these days in the nba you never expect that a guy's just gonna that it's gonna be honky dory for the next 15 years and a guy's just gonna retire with your market necessarily that being said book has accomplished almost everything one possibly could as a member of the phoenix suns he's dragged a phoenix suns team to the finals he's been uh you know their scoring leader for however many years he has their most 30 point games uh by a long shot in nba history like just in terms of individual games it was a record he got i think a couple years ago now or a year and a half and just keeps shooting up those ascending those rankings the only things left for him are to win a championship, which obviously Barkley tried and couldn't. Steve Nash tried and couldn't. Booker tr- tried with Chris Paul and once and couldn't. He's got to win a championship with this franchise. And he's a couple more years away from being the all-time franchise scoring leader, which I anticipate he will get as well. Um, other than that, like, you know, that's maybe all that motivates him to, to uh, and he wants to win. You know, as a guy who just wants to win, I think he wants to be here, but... Um, I have obviously no problems uh, 
anticipating like book or trade rumors right now or, or whatever, because it's just not in the back of my mind. You know, what I'm thinking about right now is how can they win a championship? But at some point, you know, in the far off future, um, you know, I mean, look at like even Damian Lillard eventually didn't last with the Portland Trailblazers his entire career. So you never know what can happen. You can't expect loyalty from these guys for for 20 plus years. Look, this as it shouldn't be in the front of your mind when you have a team that traded yeah. for Kevin Durant a year ago, traded for Bradley Beal this summer, and you know, is still one of the, the ten favorites, I believe, maybe even the five favorites on all the gambling sites to win the title. I would I would year. hope five I would hope five favorites. Now yeah. I would hope we haven't slipped too much. <laughs> well, I I consider it like there's an eight that I look at. I guess maybe it's closer to six that I look at. And the Suns are in there where it's like, yeah, of course they they won the title. If I, like I'm not going to be surprised. And Phoenix is absolutely on that list. It's obviously Milwaukee. It's obviously Phoenix. Um, Denver, the defending champs. I think I still have Golden State there just on pedigree. Although that's starting to change with how the age of that team is starting mm-hmm. to to show itself. Um, and I I guess I got to start. I mean, let's talk about the Western Conference a little bit. Um, I'm starting to welcome other candidates into the conversation like i mean the lakers used to be in there but do you as a suns fan look at the 10 and 6 start this year and see like the people around you are like yes you're you're tied with denver at the moment but then dallas is 10 and 5 and okc is 11 and 4 and minnesota the knicks played them last week and they were just a bitch to try and score any points on. And they have a budding superstar in Anthony Edwards. And they have like a solid like identity in this rim protection with Rudy Gobert. Like, do you take Minnesota seriously? Like, what what's your impression of the landscape of the Western Conference so far? You take all of them seriously insofar as like, yeah, they're gonna be tough regular season opponents. They might even be a tough out in the playoffs. Uh, most of these teams have fully healthy cores right now, and Phoenix doesn't. We're 10 and six. We're on a six game winning streak in spite of the fact that Bradley Beal has only played three games this season. Mm. Our entire six game win streak right now has been with Bradley Beal out. Even Kevin Durant missed the last game. It, it, granted, that was against Memphis, who have really struggled this year, but it was just Devin Booker propelling them to a 21 point victory in that one. Um, you know, it, if 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 they ever get healthy, like that's the huge question for this team. We're going to be talking about it all year, but I, I'll bring it up again if they ever do. The only team in the West that scares me are the the Denver Nuggets. Um, my focus is still entirely on the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs and how you get past the Denver Nuggets. Not to say these other teams aren't challenging. Um, Dallas in particular, much better start than I anticipated from them. I think for a lot of people, they became a bit of an afterthought after the way their season crashed and burned last year. Um, OKC, it's not their time yet. You know, they're they're a fun young team. A lot of people will be talking about them. They'll make the playoffs. They might make the second round. It's not their time yet to go to the finals. You know, that's just not how it works. They're on a a completely different timeline. So we're in different places with all these teams. But Denver remains the big threat that everyone's eyes are on. Which which makes sense. The defending champ should be that way. I will say, because you mentioned the Sun six game winning streak, and I've sorted it by the last six games for on on NBA.com and their their advanced stats page. Um the Thunder during their also their occurring the, during their six game winning streak, uh, a net rating of plus twenty one point nine. So like this, the Suns are there at eleven point six, which is like an outstanding net rating over a winning streak. And it's you just look at what the the Thunder are up to now. I will say what I expected from Phoenix going into this year is showing itself during this winning streak. And like you said, one that there aren't healthy in that it's one hundred and twenty eight point five points per hundred possessions, which 
my goodness, the the offensive ceiling of this team when they get healthy. Do you expect like you, you made the eight and train over the summer, and then like Beal being the third option? I I, I think that's. I mean, it's probably arguably one of the best, one of, if not the best third option in the NBA, if he's healthy, I know other teams yep. have gotten better and Boston has Boston has an interesting roster, but this isn't that podcast. Um, what is going to be the identity you think of how this team gets to a title? I know it's probably a complicated and, and broad question, but like, is it really just going to be like, are, are no one's going to be able to outscore us. Is that going to be where you go with this? Well, look, I, I think we've already seen that their defense can hold up. They're something like 18th in defensive rating right now, you know, so not great. But but Denver has proven to us just last year and several other teams in NBA history have proven to us that now, especially in the modern era, you have an elite tier, like top, top tier offense. I'm talking 120 offensive rating or whatever. 15th defensive rating, be an average defensive team is all you really need. And I, you know, I think that's kind of what they're thinking. Yusuf Nurkic is obviously who they brought back in that DeAndre Ayton trade. Got to give some credit to him because he's had some struggles with his finishing numbers. And of course, I, like in a vacuum, I don't think he's a more talented player than Ayton. I don't think anyone ever argued that. But defensively so far, he's held up. His backup, Drew Eubanks, uh, has held up. Um, there are definitely some things they could work at uh, with respect to their perimeter defense, but th- dropping back, um, their rim protection is not bad. They're first in the NBA in blocks. They have all sorts of guys, top to bottom on the roster. Kevin Durant, Kata Bates-Diop, uh, Nazir Little, who are pretty good in the weak side rim protection role. So they're racking up blocks. Um, they're playing some versatile defensive coverage schemes. They've got guys who will come in and they'll switch out all five onto the perimeter. So they've got the concepts down. Uh, we just, you know, we need to see how it solidifies over a full season, but no doubt their identity is going to be an offense first team. And that's, what's crazy about this too, is right now over their win streak, their starting lineup is they, they've decided to go all offense by putting both Grayson Allen and Eric Gordon out there on the wing spots as two shooters, along with Devin Booker, Kevin Durant and Yusuf Nurkic. So Bradley Beal's not even out there. Their third player is still not out there. And yet that starting lineup, that version of an all offense lineup has a 135 offensive rating over the past couple of weeks. Like the offensive ceiling of this team is truly, truly insane. And we just haven't even seen it yet. The the big three haven't played together. How does that change when Beal comes back? There's no like, like does Grayson Allen go to the bench? Does Eric Gordon go to the bench? Yeah, I think probably Eric Gordon goes to the bench. He feels a little bit more like a guy who comes off and, and you know, throws up his heat checks off the bench. And Grayson, just a little bit bigger, can guard up better. I think there's still opportunities for other guys to start in that fifth spot, too. And Vogel has been very open about how they're going to experiment with their starting lineup. And they've already done it. Kata Bates-Diop, as a much longer guy, he's got a 7-3 wingspan. As long as he can hit the open threes, he could be that fifth guy. Um, Josh Kogi has had struggles shooting, but he's he's been in and out as that fifth guy because he's arguably their best perimeter defender just at the point of attack. So they're they're working through their options, but they've got better wing depth uh, this season than last season when they were playing Landry Shamit heavy minutes in the playoffs. That's for sure. Now, to your point about that five man unit that has an insane uh, offensive rating uh, over that stretch, if you just go to cleaning the glass and sort by uh five-man lineups that have played at least 100 possessions, uh, they have the fifth best in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So that's the Devin Booker and Gordon Grayson Allen, Nurkic and Durant lineup. And that the crazy thing, though, I don't know if you have it in front of you, but that I'm defensive rating, it, yeah. that defensive rating is probably like, what, 115, 120? It's not good. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. Yeah, but their percentile, yeah. But their offense is so good 
that they're still up there in in, in the top of net rating. So 97th percentile, like you said, 136 points per, per 100 possessions to 110. Yeah. Now, look, we can't all be the 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 Celtics and have a 97 uh, defensive rating when you also have a 125 offensive rating to create your uh, 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 an unreal net rating. Having said all of this, I. I remain not skeptical, but curious to see, you know, well, well, the injury bug, I mean, just, just to be completely honest, like I've, I've, this kind of leans in from my, my days of rooting against Kevin Durant on the Brooklyn Nets, mm -hmm. that it was like, I want to see him play a full season before, uh, I actually decide he can lead a team to a title. Now, I wonder if you had any of those reservations on the day of the trade and like, like, does it matter if he plays? Start, like, does it only yeah, matter? Yeah, about, well, no, just like if he only plays <laughs> 35 games again or yes. like plays a 40 game season. I mean, that's but that's like, my worry. We're only yeah. caring about the last last three actual months of the season, you know? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I said before this season, I'd like all three guys, I think, on our podcast to play over 60. 60. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think Brad's going to get there because he's going to miss a couple more weeks. And, you know, there are many, many examples of players really only missing a few weeks with these types of back injuries, which can be tricky. And then they come back and they work it out. This is the first back injury Beal has ever had in his career. There are many positive outcomes, but everyone always thinks of the couple negative outcomes too, which are the catastrophic Ben Simmons out for a year and a half type, whatever. So we hope it's not that because if Beal can't eventually come back and, and, you know, have a somewhat healthy season and more importantly, a healthy playoff run, then, you know, I think our, our chances are more or less cooked. But if all three guys can hit 50 to 60 plus games, I think as long as this team always puts two of their stars on the floor so that A, you can kind of stagger them a little bit and B, in your best lineups, your opening lineups and closing lineups, you can have two guys who attract uh, great attention, like multiple defenders to the ball. They'll be fine. It's once you have the games where KD has to carry an entire mediocre offense by himself or Booker has to do it by himself, where obviously the strategy to beat the Suns at that point becomes pretty easy. You, you trap on the perimeter or you double in the post. If it's KD, you send multiple guys to the ball all the time and um, the role players can't necessarily beat you. Uh, you need to have at least two of the three puzzle pieces like to win most games. And then if they ever get three, all three on the floor at the same time, I think that's where we're talking peak um, dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And that was always, again, that was, that was literally the case in Brooklyn where yeah. I was skeptical about it from an availability standpoint. But when right. I saw it, my goodness, like the we joke about the the Nets and how they didn't win anything. Yeah, they're a, a shoe size or an injury, an ankle injury to Kyrie or Harden's hamstring away from getting to the, the potentially winning a title during right. that season, and, and obviously everything else that happened off the court. You know. Right. And, and with the Nets, like there's ways in which I don't mind people comparing us to them. And then there are ways in which I do. If you have questions about the Suns availability, their injuries, I'm entirely for it. Any reasonable, rational person would have questions about this team's health going forward. Um, the one thing I, I didn't like about some of the comparisons to the Brooklyn Nets that I heard in the summer is the kind of, oh, there's only one ball. There's three guys. How are they going to do it to where? You know, Bradley Beal is not James Harden. Devin Booker is not Kyrie Irving. The way that these two guys have played traditionally in their career off the ball. Um, and, and Kevin Durant, even like just as a very selfless superstar, the way that he played in Golden State. I was going to say, uh, we saw a good three year stretch where he made a 73 win team unbeatable with a right. lot of possessions, just using ball movement and off ball movement. Off -ball right. Possessions, if, you know. 
if these three guys ever finally play together, I am so sure in my heart and my mind, they are sacrificial in the way they play. There's no worries of like, who's going to handle the ball at all times with these three. It's just, they need to get healthy and we'll see if it happens. And if you don't think it's ever going to happen, I can't say I entirely blame you. I'm not even there. And I don't think it's going to ever happen. I just like, I'm open to seeing it before I predict yeah. it. You know, like, I don't think I, like, I'll just be transparent. I didn't have them in my finals and in, in the preseason predictions. I did. I think I had them as my two seed, either my two or my three mm-hmm. seed. And I believe it was, yeah, I had my two seed. It was Denver one and then then Phoenix two. And I I think I even, in the conversation of talking it out, it's like, I don't trust the Lakers' health. And I think the Clippers could get better. And Golden State, I, there's an age thing. But I do think there'll be a gap between one and two because I think for a lot of these teams and with some of the older stars, What's going to matter is March and April and that ramp up. And it, it, it who knows what this in-season tournament actually does. So how do you feel about this tournament, by the way? Does it add, I love it, it. Added? So has it added? Are you actually like in tune to the standings and I'm in you got to win our group? Okay. Are good. you not in it? The Knicks, are, are you guys are likely to make it? I think I saw you're so in the wild last card night spot, right? got us in it. I will say this you're win in, against you, Miami was huge because it was an in-season tournament matchup that okay. now gives us the tiebreaker on Miami. The problem is we lost to Milwaukee so we need Miami to beat Milwaukee next week and then we have okay. to beat Charlotte by like at least 30 something points oh okay the point that's, differentials that's the thing. but like if you go three and one in your bracket you have a legit shot is my yeah point, so. so what's happening with us I don't know if you saw this but we went three and one we won our game last night and Devin Booker made a three in the closing seconds of a game that was already an 18 point lead he brought it up to a 21 point lead to give himself 40 points on the night. Any other night that's considered stat padding. It's mm-hmm. against the unwritten rules I of the NBA. Yeah. But in this particular game, what it did is it gave the Suns a plus 34 differential, just beating out, I think it's the Pelicans with a plus 33 differential to likely secure us that wild card spot to advance in the tournament. The only way we don't get it is if a couple teams blow out their opponents by, I forget who, maybe the Warriors is one of them, blow out their opponents by like 35 in their next game. It's fun. It's like I the NBA foresaw these types of events happening, but the players who are hyper competitive already clearly care about it. I'm not going to pretend that I was always 100% on board with it. When the news was announced, I was kind of like, you know, why should I give a crap about this? You know, they should be cutting me dividend checks in order to make me care or whatever. But <laughs> now that we're actually here, um, it's it's a fun tournament. Obviously, you know, I hope they go all the way. And um, yeah, I'm into it, dude. I'm into it. I think... If the Knicks make it to Vegas and there's a tournament playoff game in the middle of December, right? So the beginning of December that I have to get up for, that's when I'll be like, oh my gosh, this is, this, this, this matters. This means something. I've look coming back against the Miami Heat in a playoff situation will always be something I enjoy, especially after the Knicks were eliminated by the Heat last year in the regular playoffs. So I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. couple questions before I let you get out of here. The This is year one of a new head coach with, with Frank Vogel. And obviously he won a title, but also, I, I mean, I've, I haven't talked to a Laker fan about whether he was scapegoated or not at, at what happened sure. at the end in L.A. But it did seem like he wasn't like the main reason. It seems like they made a trade for a player that didn't fit. And then they it wasn't until they then traded that player the following season that that roster was able to breathe and find its correct fit. And now Frank Vogel finds himself in in Phoenix. What have your impressions of him been so far? In fact, we can go back even further. Like when the hire was made, were you were you yeah. on board? And then obviously, what's what's it been like through the first sixteen games? Yeah, I was on board. Um, I was willing to open myself up to other possibilities, though I didn't necessarily feel that you need a coach with a championship pedigree. You know, the, they'll bring the guys out to the podium and they'll talk your ear off about championship experience and and all that. I didn't feel that that was a necessity in who the Suns ultimately hired. Um, I like Frank so far. I like particularly his willingness to experiment with the rotations, and he's given us a lot of different looks. Again, he was very open about that in the training camp process of. He felt that James Jones did a good job this year of making the most of their very limited uh, cap space. In fact, they basically only had minimum contracts to work with, but tried to stack the roster with as much depth as he possibly could. And now it's Frank's job to turn that into a working product. And I think he's already done a good job of identifying some pieces that can fit together nicely. Um, he's been quite good with his decision making when it comes to like using a challenge. There was a game the other week against... Uh, an opponent that's escaping me, but the Suns uh, secured a win with a final second challenge from Frank Vogel that he had saved up to that point. Just oh, like the little Utah game, the Utah, the Utah game. game. The, Thank you. It was the, the second three. Yeah, it was yeah. the second Utah game. Um, you know, so just little little moments like that have been good so far. Um, I know, like, look, I've had the conversations with Lakers fans, and I know if you go back, uh, go back and talk to Lakers fans, there are many who were less than pleased with his kind of X's and O's execution. 
Um, I struggle to really make a grand statement on that at this point until again, we finally see Bradley Beal in the lineup at least a little bit because so far it kind of feels like they've had to do a little improvisation. The guys who are playing together right now are ideally not the guys who will be playing together heavily in the playoffs once we ultimately get there. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm satisfied with Frank's job so far. Yeah, the like we're in year five of the Tibbs experience, and like I'm satisfied. There are still things about him that drive me crazy, but this team and really this this front office has decided to lean in on roster building around the things he's good at, and they they have an identity, and it, it's playing hard for 48 minutes. Although I think we can, this is kind of, this can lead into the Knicks game conversation. Um, there is an accountability thing with the, the two time All NBA player that seems off but you know the the fact that this team's able to still keep fighting no matter what the deficit is and you know how disciplined they can be even against like a tough team against the Miami Heat is always going to be a plus now i am very curious what your thoughts about the New York Knicks are cuz i this is usually the portion of the program where i hand sure. the pot over to my guest and say sure. like what's your Knicks question what do you what's your Knicks thoughts on on where they are at the moment so yep. so sam the floor is yours what do you got I mean, for, so first of all, this matchup, and I will be at the game tomorrow, by the way, I'm oh, currently okay. potting, which awesome. I'm very excited about. I'm potting here from my parents' basement in Westchester because I was just visiting home for the for the holiday. And I'm very excited to go to the game. I will say every time I'm back in New York, even for a couple of days at a time, the prices are like culture shock and going to a Knicks game. I'm going to be way up there in the, <laughs> with the with the tickets. And it was um, like for the same prices, like a, a, a decent seat in, yeah. in Phoenix, right? Yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. And yeah. just kind of any any other well, any arena. That's like the best part market. when you go through yeah. the, the schedule and it's like a full slate and it's like yeah. twelve dollars in Detroit, sixteen dollars in Atlanta, eight dollars Eight, in Charlotte. Eighty three for nosebleeds. Right. In like New Yorker. For yeah. the worst possible for standing room only. If you wanted yeah. to watch on the outside scoreboard, it's two hundred and twelve dollars. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the um, so. but the garden is a great place to be. I am stoked to be there. So I'm really excited. Um, and just this matchup tomorrow excites me because I think the Knicks have won seven of their last nine Suns six game win streak. I think they're mm-hmm. seventh and eighth in net rating going into this game in some order. I don't remember who's on top. You guys might be on top. Actually, I looked at this earlier, but I forgot. Seventh um, and eighth. Knicks are seventh, Suns are eighth, but it's like, look, they're close. It's 4.6 and 4.2. KD didn't play on Friday against Memphis. We haven't had any update on that yet. I think they were just resting him for a really quick foot issue and he should be back. I am anticipating an awesome matchup here. Uh, and, and a challenging one. So first of all, that's fun. As for questions about the Knicks, I there's all sorts of stuff that goes through my head because kind of I've always felt that like these days, if you're on the internet in 2023, the social media experience of fandom is a wild ride for anyone. But if you're a Knicks fan, if you're a Lakers fan, if you're like a fan of a couple particular fan bases, it's just like to the max, like 500% worse than whatever the rest of us are experiencing. Mm -hmm. Where are we? Are we all back on board 100% the RJ Barrett experience this year? Like where, what's, what's the, uh, you know, Julius Randall, I I feel like hasn't really been forgiven by a lot of Knicks fans ever from the first time he tanked and then came back a little bit last year. And now it's been, now it's gone to shit again. And so there's, what's interesting about your guys' team is there've been enough of these players now and enough continuity who have been there for a while where we've seen them kind of go through the circular arcs multiple times of everyone's on board, everyone's not on board. Uh, but yeah, so like, wh- where are we? RJ Barrett's the real guy who I'm curious about with with what the fan base is thinking right now. So they actually tie into each other, both RJ and Julius, because 
there's and I'll get psychological here with the fan base. And this is not everybody, but this is my read on the majority of the situation. So with RJ, even at his worst, there was in the back of everyone's mind, from what I can tell, like, man, if he ever figures it out, I want to root for him. Like, I, I'm going to live with these struggles. It's it's objectively bad right now. Like last season was awful. And then the playoffs happened and it was like every emotion we wanted to feel for RJ in the positive direction. Now we can feel it. And he's carried it over into this season. And it's been a jubilation. Like we finally get to feel how we've always wanted to feel about RJ Barrett and apply those exact same emotions, but in reverse to, to Julius, Julius. Randle, no. where it's like he got here as the consolation prize to a Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Zion Williamson sweepstakes that they lost. And then we always wanted him like here for a little bit and then traded. Then the we here season, he legitimately built like a lot of goodwill with his fan base. But then the playoffs happened and it was like, uh, all right. So now we don't know if you're a playoff player. Then that season that you're talking about happened and we were ready to ship him out for a ham sandwich. And then last year, he makes All-NBA and was legitimately outstanding for about 75 games. Gets hurt. And then in the playoffs, those warts started to creep in again. Who knows how hurt he was. But like every every emotion everybody wanted to feel all year while I'm he was just hitting all these tough threes and hitting all these long twos and putting up 40 on these teams that are with legitimate defenses. And it was like, all right. I can't feel how I want to feel about Julius and this season, the start he's gotten off to. Now I can feel about Julius Randle. I've always wanted to feel about him. I, I just, it's so tough with him because I feel like I'm not sure. You mentioned he's a two time all star with the Knicks or just in general, but I'm not, not sure. There's the Knicks. It's all happened here. What he has become taking his career to this level. You know? I don't know that there's ever been a more complicated. I can't think of a more complicated relationship that a franchise has to their two time all star. And it kind of feels like, like the package of talent or tools is all there, but it's like when you have like a show, like a long running TV show that's like taken over by multiple showrunners or writers. Mm -hmm. And like this one writer is for this season, it was just really shit. And like it, it's just the twists and turns and weaves we've had all confined within the same player's body and talent with Julius is like nothing I've ever seen. And the, the fact that you've kind of speed run that process over the past three or four years. Um, I was I was into it last year. I was happy to come on your pod uh, and talk with you and Macri about it, but I don't know that I could uh, do it at at this it's, point. I, I don't know that so I could have him raising my blood pressure on a nightly basis to that extent anymore. He's well, a complicated so I, guy. I think the even better comp is like it's a quarterback that you know you can win 10, 11 games with, but you know for a fact you're not getting to a conference title. Like if he's if if the reason that you got to the playoffs or you won your eleven games, like Derek Carr would honestly be like the best comp because like the Raiders clearly had like a nine ten win season, even made the playoffs once, and they were like, yeah, we're good because we know what the ceiling on this is. And I think Julius has absolutely been better in the NBA than Derek Carr has been in the NFL. But the point being, the fan base's relationship is like we know this ceiling, and like even crazier, Sam, this isn't good stats, bad team guy. The Knicks have won with Julius Randle as yeah. a focal point in the offense. This isn't yeah, yeah. a play-in team. This team made the second round last year and upset the Cavaliers. Like he is a part of the success that this team has had. But we all recognize 
the thing that needs to be upgraded the most is that spot. And we don't know mm-hmm. if you can upgrade it. And I'm like someone that's always low key been in the Randall Hive because I just that we here season means so much to me. And I recognize it. Like I, I'm not going to go out and boo him in, in front of his children. But I also recognize like you need to hustle back on defense, my friend. So I yeah. I don't know. Like you said, it's a, it's a very complicated relationship where you can't call him unsuccessful. But the franchise, the, the fan base is so ready for like <laughs> anything else. Just the so next ready for anything else, you know, I mean, yeah. you, you, you know, you guys are restless, obviously, as you have the right to be. But you look upwards at the top teams in the Eastern Conference and you want nothing more to, to be in that conversation with the Knicks and Bucks. And I don't know if you'd put the fucking magic there at this point, but sorry, I, by the way, the if I should same, not be cursing I, on this podcast. Say, but. Literally say whatever you want. Um, <laughs> the, the, the funny thing about the magic and their start is like, they, they, they're, I have no idea how seriously I could take them. It's similar to your yeah. thoughts about the, the Thunder. They're fun. And yeah, they're, the they're fun. Like you, you, wanted, you want it to last as long as possible and then we'll see what happens come playoff time. Um, yeah. They'll be yeah. a real threat in two years. You don't have to worry about them. For exactly. Now. So, uh, Sam, you've been good. Oh, I didn't even ask you the, the question I've been asking literally everyone. You got three more minutes. Yeah, go for it. Cool. So I've been asking every single pregame pod guests their Mount Rushmore of rivals. So like the mm. Knicks fans, we have these dates that we circle on the calendar when the schedule is released. Right. And yeah. like last night was one of them with the Miami heat. So for Suns fans, who would you say are the four teams that like schedule came out? Okay, these are the ones I'm circling on the calendar. Yeah, well, based on like historical precedent or just kind of where the vibes are right now, like, you know, I'm How about both. <laughs> okay, historically, I grew up during the seven seconds era. That's why I'm a Suns fan, despite the fact that I grew up in New York. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll always hate the Spurs. Actually, ironically, though, kind of root for the Spurs now because I really am interested in the career of Wemby. And, you know, I didn't even necessarily mind when they beat us twice early in the year. It was kind of fun to watch him kick our ass and score 38 in that game. Um, I still always root against the Spurs. But so you do circle those games just for historical precedent. But the teams that we're most interested in beating right now, Lakers always just because, again, that history, Denver. I mean, there's this history building with Denver. And it's funny because if, you know, if you ask a Denver fan what they think about Phoenix right now, they're probably going to act like John Hamm and Mad Men or whatever. Like, I don't I, think we don't about you at all. We yeah. don't think about them at all or whatever, <laughs> which they have the right to say right now. But it was not that long ago that Jamal Murray was injured in a playoff series and the sun swept you know, Nik- Nikola Jokic in the Denver Nuggets. Jamal Murray is out again right now. And lo and behold, the Denver Nuggets are struggling. So, of course, that's the team out of a respect factor, not even because I hate their guts, but we know we're going to have to get past them eventually. So you should be glued to your screen for any Phoenix Suns Denver Nuggets matchup this year. In terms of Eastern teams, we I feel like we always have good games against the Boston Celtics, too, but they only happen twice a year. So I'm really looking forward to when we finally play them, just because that's that's one of those other teams where it's like, if we're going to get there, we're going to have to work our way through that multifaceted and versatile defense that they have. And and that will just be basketball porn. So what about the, the Bucks since they, they played each other a couple of years yeah, ago? Yeah. So what's funny is I, um, yeah, there's that rivalry with the Bucks too, but a, the Bucks are a different team. Now. Uh, if you ask me my feelings about drew holiday, I have very intense feelings about drew holiday. Cause like, he's the one he, he wrapped up and got the block on book, like in the, in the closing minutes of game six so that we couldn't extend that game, right? Like had a very integral moment to that series. Damian Lillard is not Drew Holiday on on defense. I would anticipate that he's going to have those same sorts of minutes. Giannis, 
I, I think Suns fans mostly, like, interestingly enough, I think we mostly just respect Giannis. There's no, like, we hate Giannis on Tetsukumbo. Like, sure, like, denied us a championship, but didn't play a dirty series. Got a lot of free throws, obviously, because there's nothing you can necessarily do to stop him in, in that kind of situation. But, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to the games against the Bucks too. But I, I feel like the Celtics are a little bit just more dangerous in the East right now and until the Bucks can can prove me wrong on that point. Look, like you said, they have Drew Holiday. So maybe that's the player that you actually are looking and also competing against the most. Maybe I listen to too much Bill Simmons, but like there have been, you know, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker thing. There have been Jason Tatum, Devin Booker comparisons out there for years. It's just one of those things. You want to see those two guys go head to head in a brother. You do not have to tell me reasons to hate Boston. You're you're in the right place when it comes to finding a reason to find something wrong with Boston. The only other team I'm surprised between like the Chris Paul of it all and the Mm -hmm. Durant relationship is Golden State. that's fun. I mean, Golden State, so we've beaten them twice now this year. I don't view them, to be entirely honest, in the inner ring of contenders. I, I think they're in the outer ring of contenders. They're going to be challenging. It would be a hard-fought playoff series, and there's a ton of history and unique angles when those two teams play each other. Um, but they're not like one of the opponents that strikes fear in my heart, particularly right now. If I'm, if I'm being honest, they're just a little bit too past their peak. Steph is Steph. Uh, but Chris Paul... I think he's even having he's having a solid season for them, but it you know it's just it was tough. It was time yeah. for Chris Paul to leave the Suns. There's a hint of there's a hint of Dwayne Wade on the Cavs with Chris Paul right now, mm-hmm. where it's like very clear. Or maybe when Wade went back to Miami for that last stint, where he's he's clearly past his prime. He's finding a new new role and a new identity of of where he is in his career, and you hope. For his sake, I'm sure you feel this as a Suns fan that like a title happens, but not at the expense of my team. And, yeah. you know, just so that his career doesn't get uh, uh, picked apart the way that we do with guys that don't win a title. Um, but we'll see. I Look, I, I have nothing against the Suns. As someone of uh, the fan of a team that has not won a title in a while, I... I like I, I said this to, C- to certainly not while you were uh, alive. Not while I was alive, that's for sure. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. I barely see them make the finals since I've been alive. Um, I I respect and understand the frustration of like near misses and like you became an actual Suns fan during the seven seconds or less era. I was rooting for the Suns in all of those matchups because they were fun and I loved Amari and I loved Joe Johnson. I loved Barbosa and all those teams. So I. I wouldn't be upset if if the Suns won the title this year, but again, not at the expense of my team. So we'll start. no, I get it. I get <laughs> we'll start it. on Sunday night and see, you know how how this matchup turns out. Sam, thank you so much for giving me your time, uh, especially on a holiday weekend. Before you get out of here, tell the fine folks at home where they can find you and all your stuff. Yeah, you can find me. Uh, it says right here on the screen, but at s cooper hoops or scooper hoops is uh, my Twitter profile. So follow me there. Suns analysis and. You can listen to our podcast. It's called The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast, a fellow Blue Wire podcast that you can find us uh, on any streaming platform. If you're ever interested in kind of tapping into a little bit of Suns news, that's where we are. There you thank go. you so Sam. much, Andrew. Absolutely, Sam. Thank you. Once again, a big thank you to Sam for coming on today's show and helping me preview this matchup against the Suns. You know what to do. The link's in the description of this episode to their Spotify, to their iTunes link. Um, 
get five stars rating review. We like to give the KFS bump. They don't have a YouTube channel. At least they don't have an active YouTube channel anymore because they switched over to playback. So if you want to go and invade their playback room and say how much you enjoyed Sam's appearance over at the Knicks Film School podcast, please go ahead and do that. As far as I'm concerned, that'll do it for me. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes, drop a five star rating and a review. I will be back as of right now it looks like Thursday morning. I don't think we'll have a pregame pod for the Hornets because I don't want to talk about the Hornets anymore. I really don't. They played the Knicks three times in the last month. So shout out to Richie Randall and all the Buzzbeat guys. Um, I don't think I'm going to have a, a pod in the meantime. And good because John and Jeremy are going to be recording on Monday nights. So just check out their episode and let you that be what you listen to on Tuesday. So until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy the game tonight. Let's go, Nick. And I'll speak with you soon. Peace.